And I'm going to transition into our, our message. Um, I don't know about you, but 2020 and 2021 has just been a hot mess, right? Whether it be work, school, relationships, church, uh, vacations, uh, everything was chaotic. And just when we thought, uh, I don't know if you recall, just a few months ago, we thought, okay, things are getting so much better. Um, and we thought, okay, we finally turned the corner, we like, vaccinated, boosted, our kids are vaccinated, things will be back to normal. And then we heard this strange news about this Omicron, not Omicron, Omicron. And then things are in an upheaval again. Scientists in the news are telling us that it is hyper-transmittable. Um, and so even those who are vaccinated and boosted can transmit uh, this virus and so we feel less certain now than before and so people are telling us we need to be more cautious than ever but at the same time uh, we're hearing news and people are telling us that this particular strain of the virus causes less sickness especially among the vaccinated and less people are being hospitalized and some even speculate that this actually may be a way out of the pandemic the omicron and that it just needs to burn through the population so that we all become super immune whatever um, thought that we have of what 2022 will look like right now i'm guessing that a lot of you are just confused and in, in, in a chaotic mode. You thought you'd send your college-age student back to school and they just found out that they're online in the beginning. Uh, you thought that you'd send your kids back to school and you're not sure if, if it's okay or not. So someone texted uh, me saying, uh, we hope that this is not another 2022, like T-O-O, -O, like it's not a repeat of what happened two years ago. By the way, like Andrew, uh, Andrew uh, said that our leaders, uh, the pastoral staff as well as the elder board, were trying really hard uh, to properly lead our church. Um, as we mail, emailed uh, in our update uh, uh, this week, that there are three guiding principles that we're kind of using at this moment in time. First of guiding principle is says that we're going to continue the mission of the church we're going to continue the mission of the church. We believe that God has called uh, the church of Christ to be what it's supposed to be, the hope of the world, and we're, we're not going to uh, uh, stop doing, uh, being the church. But what we are going to do is provide options, whether it be outdoor service. That's why um, you found out this week, or just when you arrived today, hey, uh, the service is outside as, as well as being streamed inside. We moved up uh, the, the opening of the porch for our kids for today so that we're providing options and, and we're also streaming. Uh, we decided to, um, we were going to stop streaming the little kid service until this week. We said, you know, let's continue to stream so that uh, parents of young kids, little kids have options. Uh, we're providing resources, whether it be uh, uh, masks or rapid tests and in fact, a a few weeks ago, one of our elders said, you know, I, I think we need to pre-buy these rapid tests because they're going to be in high demand and it's going to get hard to uh, find. And so we bought a couple of boxes or cases uh, 
uh, a few weeks ago, and sure enough, right now, uh, you know, they're just really difficult to find. So uh, we just have these available um, for our servant leaders or servants. Uh, the second guiding principle is that we need to keep our practices as simple and consistent as possible. It's so hard to uh, figure out all the different nuances, permutations of what to do. And so what we're doing is trying to make things as simple as possible that it's appropriate for our church. Um, you know, uh, every local community has its own set of unique circumstances, and we believe we know what's uh, right for us, and we have the, the medical personnel, we have the, the spiritual leaders all uh, talking, and, and uh, people who are in education, people who are in, um, in other fields of, of industry that's helping us to make certain decisions. The third guiding principle is that we're going to try our best not to be a place where uh, COVID is transmitted. You know, um, we can't guarantee anything, but we're going to do, do our best, especially, especially for our kids. And so, for example, um, we, we've said to those who are working with kids, little kids and kids, that uh, we're requiring uh, KN95 masks. And, and we, we bought a bunch of them so that if you're here working with kids, um, you know, have a tight-fitting mask uh, so to work with them. But, you know, I'm grateful that today is the first Sunday of 2022, and I'm so glad to see so many of you here in, in, the, in the patio, and I'm sure those, there's some in the sanctuary as well as those who are worshiping from home. And some of you are worshiping from home out of necessity uh, for different reasons, and then some are worshiping at home out of choice. But whatever the case... I have a feeling whatever plans you have for this year, some of it has already gone weary. It's, it's changed, or you're more hesitant now than before. This brings me to a question that I'm going to try to uh, tackle for today and next Sunday. And the question is this. So many times we make resolutions, beginning of the year or some point in time, so many times we make decisions, but we don't end up following through on those resolutions or those decisions. And the question that I'm trying to answer is why? Why is it that our life is often filled with good intentions and failed promises? Why is it that we oftentimes do not do that which we said we were going to do. All right? Let me repeat that. Why is it that we often do not do what we said we were going to do? In earnest, oftentimes. And so for today and next Sunday, we're going to uh, tackle this issue, the habits uh, of the heart. And today I'm going to look at two big enemies. What I believe the scripture says are, are your enemies. These are the two big reasons why we oftentimes do not follow through on the decisions that we've made or that which we know is right and good for us. Two big enemies, hindrances, roadblocks. Uh, we have the issue of the heart and the issue of the habit, right? Issue of the heart and issue of the habit. You know, if you read like self-help books, if you talk to uh, business leaders, 
politicians, athletes, and, and people who are high achievers, one of the things that they'll say is that uh, most everyone has the same goal. So like, you don't start an NBA season and say, our goal is to finish last, but rather our goal, our aspiration is to finish first. And even if you were on the Clippers, you would say, My go our goal is to finish first. I know. Um, so what they would say is that everyone has the same goal, but uh, whether it be winners or successful people or losers or, or failures, that they all have the same goals. And the homework then is to figure out what is the secret of success or, or those who have achieved and try to um, emulate or learn from that and one of the popular, and in fact, I, you know, it's probably true, one of the differences between successful people and unsuccessful people is that successful people um, have developed the habit of success. They, they learn systems which will help them succeed, whether it be how to study well, how to keep a good diet, you know, having date nights, uh, or, or uh, you know, doing what your manager tells you when, you, uh, when they said they want you to do, so, et cetera. So, most of the world, and even ourselves, we believe uh, that the difference between success and failure, New Year's resolution and New Year's failure, is the habit that we develop or the systems that we develop as opposed to not developing them. Now, that's what the world says, and I'm here to say that that is not necessarily the case, and I'll, I'll explain why. When we search the scripture, that uh, when the scripture talks about the kind of lives that God wants us to live, that we can't simply uh, delineate it between success and failure because if we only look at life in terms of a morally neutral perspective, that may be the case. But we're not morally neutral creatures. But we're uh, more than that. If we search the scripture, one of the things that the Bible has to say to you and for me is the issue of the heart. That at the center of who we are is our heart. Two things that the scripture says about the heart that's really important. First of all, it says about the heart, and the heart is not simply the seat of emotions, but seed of the will and affections as well as the emotions. It's essentially who you are inside. The first thing that the scripture says about your heart and my heart is that it is corrupt. The heart is corrupt. If you recall, Genesis chapter 6, God looks out at humanity, and, and this is the, uh, that story right before uh, the Noah's flood. And the Lord says in Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. He's not saying that only certain people were evil, and there's some evil people, and there's some good people, but, but rather every single one of them were evil. Not just sometimes, but all the time. The thoughts of his heart was only evil 
continually. So God wipes out humanity, save a few people in the ark. And so you think, well, maybe the remnant, the, the ones who are saved were good people at the end of that great judgment. Genesis 8, 21, God says, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Even the junior high kids said they're evil. Even the family that was saved, they're evil. The first thing that we need to remember about our, ourselves is that our hearts, the core being of who we are, there's something corrupt in us. The heart, let me um, say it this way, is the compass. It's the compass, it's the steering wheel, it's the rudder of our being. We will naturally drift toward that which the compass is set, the way uh, we will naturally drive toward where the steering wheel uh, points at. The, the ship will naturally sail toward where the rudder tells us to uh, sail. So, we may begin January saying, I determine I want to be a more loving person. But, it is not in the decision or the intention that I want to be a more loving person, but it is the inclination of the heart that will determine whether you will be a loving person. There's a second thing I want to tell you about your heart and my heart. See, when, we, when I say that people are corrupt, uh, it doesn't take much to... To, to realize that that's probably true. We read the news or we watch the news to realize there's some really just corrupt, absolutely terrible people in the world. We watch the news and, and we think, how can they do that? How, how can they possibly uh, be like that? And so when we hear, when the scripture says uh, that people are corrupt, the hearts of people are corrupt, you say, yes, people are bad, people are wicked. They are wicked. And we exclude ourselves from that wickedness. So most people, and I've said, I say this periodically, most people believe that others are bad, but not they themselves. That they themselves have the reason and the, the, uh, the rational as to why we sometimes do that which we do. That we ourselves are good and other people are that. Now, I referenced Jeremiah the prophet last week. He says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, and I, 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 I quote this verse periodically, and I believe in it. Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? He says this, that your heart, your affections, that which is inside of you, is deceitful, not only to other people, but to yourself. Your, your heart will lie to you. Your heart will tell you that you are a better person than you really are. Uh, your heart will tell you that you have a more pure intention than you really do. And this is the problem. So, for example, you can start out the year 2022 and saying, Lord, I, help me 
to be a better employee at work. Help me to get along with my boss better so that, uh, they, uh, so that they could view me more favorably so that I can get my promotion, so that I can uh, perhaps make more money. Lord, uh, I, I resolute in the year 2022 that I will achieve more, I will excel more in my workplace. Now, uh, that's a good prayer, right? But in James chapter 4, verses two, uh, 2 and 3, it says this, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. It goes south really quickly. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. So James uh, diagnosis, uh, diagnosed the, the human heart and said the reason oftentimes you ask for good things even, but do not receive it, is because you ask with wrong motives. You can say, Lord, help me to succeed and, and flourish in my workplace because, so that I can make more money, so that I can, I can buy more drugs and, and just get high and drunk and whatever. And of course, we're not going to say that, but motives matter. The inclination of the heart matters. So we may say, Lord, help me to support my child, my youth-age child, to be all that she has uh, potential to become. So help me, Lord, to help my daughter to succeed academically to get into the best college possible, to, um, to, to help her um, in her athletic endeavors or dance or leadership or whatever it is. Lord, help me to help my child to succeed. Good and neutral resolution or prayer. But, as James says, but if we're asking for that prayer request, if we're uh, going toward that direction with a motive that, 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 that's sometimes hidden from us because our heart is deceitful, uh, the re the, and, and James is uh, revealing to us the reason why God does not give those things to you is because you ask with wrong motives, Lord, help me to help my child succeed so that I can be arrogant so that I can live out my dreams vicariously through them, so I can brag to others my value and my worth. The reason, James says, that you do not receive is because you ask wrongly because of your, you, you want to spend it on your passions. Motives matter. You know, oftentimes we think, if I am only disciplined, if I can just follow through on my resolutions, if I can just do what I said I was going to do, that life would be better, that I would be better. You know, you think about the kind of people Jesus encountered. He encounters a bunch of people, and so there's some people that he encounters that, are, that, that, are, that lack discipline. It's obvious. They're in the outskirts sometimes of society and such. But there, there are people whom he encounters that are uh, respected, 
that are highly religious, that are extraordinarily disciplined. They're the kind of people that would write self-help books in that particular culture. They're the kind of people who would uh, do seminars uh, and we would listen to them. They're the kind of people that, that we would, uh, um, that they, they would uh, blog or tweet and we would watch and try to emulate them. And there's a particular group of people that were extraordinarily good at this, and they're called the Pharisees. If you think about it, the Pharisees were extraordinarily a disciplined group of people. They, they do what they said they were going to do. But Jesus saw a huge flaw in them, and in fact, uh, he spends a whole chapter, Matthew 23, on... Um, talking to them. He says this group of people in verse 23 and 24, woe to you, among many things, he says many things, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel, you are successful in making money, being religious, and being admired in the community. In fact, you are so meticulous about uh, your so-called obedience to God that you would have a little spice garden in your backyard, and when mint leaves come, you take 10% of the mint leaves and you give it to the church as a tithe. How disciplined can you be? But he says, but... You've neglected the weightier things, mercy, justice, and faithfulness. If you think about it, some of the people throughout history that have been extraordinarily disciplined, that have set long-term goals and don't get sidetracked, some of the people who are big-picture thinkers are some of the worst people in history. I don't think if we would have met Hitler, we would have said, Hitler, why, why are you so undisciplined? Why can't you think of the big picture? I think Hitler was extraordinarily a disciplined individual. The problem is his heart, and the problem is our heart. Psalm 51, King David. If you recall, he's the man after God's own heart. But he's the person with one of the greatest uh, shameful failures in all the scripture, rape and murder. In his confession or prayer, Psalm 51, and it is just a, it's, it's just a raw prayer, he says, I've sinned, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that he says in Psalm 51.10 is creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. So this is what David is confessing. Many years he walked with the Lord. He was right with the Lord. His heart was right. But something happened where his heart no longer was right. He had great successes, but at this stage in his life, his heart was corrupt. And so what his prayer is that renew a right spirit, create in me a clean heart. Let me 
I want to encourage all of us that if your goal this year was, well, money, health, uh, relationship, religion, whatever it may be, it has to begin with the heart. That what we need is heart surgery first and foremost where we come before the Lord and we lay out our hearts before the Lord and say and confess that I know that I can lie to myself that I can believe in my own press, but I come confessing to you, Lord. I lay my heart before you. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Let it begin with a heart. Listen, you can have all the, um, the discipline in the world, but if your heart is inclined, if it is pointed, if it is, if, if it is, shaped a certain way, that's the way that you and I will be inclined to live. There's a second enemy that we're battling, not only the heart, but we have an issue of the habit, issue of the habit. You know, there are times when we really do have good intentions. We perfectly, we perfectly and confess and we're honest, we, we receive wise counsel, etc. And we're like, hey, you know, I, I think I am really well-intended and this is of God and my heart is right. But I still don't do what I thought I would do or I should do. Why is it that oftentimes that um, we still don't do what we say we're going to do if what we said we were going to do was driven by a right heart? And we see even our own lives that we not only fail, but we even sabotage our own selves. You know, let me, um, I, let me confess, I, I love my family, my wife, my daughters, my grandson, uh, I love them. Um, and, you know, I, I think I do, and, you know, I hope they think I do, I'm, I'm not sure. But um, I remember one time when my um, older daughter was young, um, their element, her elementary school was like a block away from our home, and uh, my wife was away, and I was supposed to pick her up, and, you know, it's just walking distance, and so she was old enough where she can walk down from her school to a corner, but she was not old enough where we felt comfortable for her to cross the street by herself, so we said, okay, you can walk down, but you have to wait in this corner, and, and you're uh, mom or dad will come pick you up in that corner. We'll just walk you home from there. So, so my older daughter was uh, good about that, and, and, and she would walk down that hill, wait at that corner, wait for her mom or dad to come, walk her back home, cross the street and walk her back home. One day, my friend came over. My wife was, uh, like I said, away, and um, we were having something. I don't know, we ate together. We were just having a conversation, and... Um, and we just got lost in our conversation, and then and my friend said, hey, didn't you say you had to pick up your daughter? I looked at the time. I was 30 minutes late. Oh, my God. So I rushed over, and there was my daughter by herself. Everyone had gone home, waiting at the corner, uh, dutifully not crossing the street. Why is it that we sometimes oftentimes, don't do what we said we were going to do even though we were well-intended, even if our hearts were potentially in the right place. 
Paul, the super apostle, Paul, uh, the, the one who wrote so many uh, letters in the New Testament, Paul, the person that we would emulate and we would trust. In the book of uh, theological treaties, the book of Romans, right in the middle, and some people think that, hey, perhaps he's writing about a pre-Christian time or theologically this complex issue, but I think the most uh, simple reading is this is Paul in his wrestling as a Christian in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 19. Let me read his wrestling. And see if you can relate to this. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So he, he says something about his own heart that his affection is to do good. And that he hates evil. Okay? That's, there's a part of him that's, I want to do what is right. There's another part of him that keeps on not doing that, which is right. His affection is fighting with his flesh. And what Paul reveals is something that all of us know and experience on a daily basis. That there's a battle going on. That we're, we're, we're creatures that are oftentimes divided. That even as Christians, are, we have been made new. And we desire to do what is right, to honor God, etc., but there's also something within us, our flesh, he calls it, that does, that wants to do what it's evil. And so this is also what we need to realize about ourselves. Our heart is deceitful, our heart is corrupt, and our flesh is formidable. Our flesh is formidable. If the heart is like the steering wheel. Uh, our flesh or our habit is like the engine who will take us somewhere. And, he's, and, and Paul says that it's not only important to have the right heart, but we need to have the right habits. We have to train our flesh. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he says, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after I preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Listen, a person with incredible discipline, but the wrong heart, can become a Pharisee or a tyrant. But a person with the right heart and no discipline can become a well-intentioned, weak, useless Christian. We need both. But I, I, but I also want to say this. We need to be careful that we're not simply children of discipline and self-control. In um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, but I say to you, walk by the flesh and you will not gratify the desires of, your, uh, of the flesh. Uh, 
Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And later on, it says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. There are two kinds of self-control. Self-control that is driven by the flesh and self-control that is driven by the Spirit. If we're not careful, we can be incredibly self-controlled people, even religious people, even uh, serving people, even servant officers. You can be a deacon or an elder or even a pastor. But if that drivenness is not from the Spirit, it will be by the flesh. And if we're driven by the flesh, we can take those successes, we can take our bouts of faithfulness, and we will become arrogant and self-sufficient and our hearts far from the Lord. But rather, our self-control, our habits need to be driven by the Spirit. I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time. As we begin, and I'm so grateful that you are here in the year 2020. 22, the first Sunday of the year, that we would do more than simply say, you know, I want to live a different life. I, I want to do these habits as opposed to th those other habits. I want you to start at the heart, and I want our hearts um, to be uh, dwelling in the Spirit and allow the Spirit to develop the kind of self-control and discipline that we need, to honor God, to be grateful for that which Jesus has done for us. Would you take a minute and, and, and pray? Would you come to the throne of grace? Be honest with your hearts, about your hearts, and come to Jesus. be saturated with that which he has done for you. And not out of your own will, but by you sitting with Jesus, changing your heart as, as we, you are in gratitude. And let that form in you the kind of self-controlled discipline that will better honor Him, better love Him, better love others.